Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Lucas is a mastermind when it comes to marketing. He has helped me as a client and friend to open my mind up to different channels and possibilities. Thank you for all your kind help, Lucas. Keep being awesome. That is one of the several recommendations on my guests on this podcast. It's Lucas Walker, hailing all the way from Canada. Lucas, you're very welcome. Rian, thank you. Thank you so much. And there's nothing like that, that sweet song of an Irish accent to, to really make someone feel welcome. I feel like I just, I, I close my eyes and I can feel like the world's gone back to normal and i just walked into a nice warm cozy pub they say marketers are really good at people and there's evidence of it yet again look i do want to get into all that good stuff originally came across you on linkedin oh god probably three years ago from a mutual connection john barrows got a lot of respect for john i do i've been through his filling the funnel course about 18 months ago as a pandemic hit just I, i have to shout out john because top three hardest workers i've ever met top three just like kind empathetic people just like behind behind the the scenes john is is an even kinder and and better person than than what you experience i just i can't say enough good things about about john's personality and character just not nearly enough yeah i was listening to one of his podcasts recently and he was talking about like how his he opens his home to his friends who are going through shit times and yeah. he just had three or four friends live there for several months on end. And then there's a most recent podcast. I don't know when this will, this will go out in 48 hours is with uh, talking about his, the passing of his father. So yeah, yeah, nice guy. Look, you grew up in Canada. I think you were born in Hamilton, moved to Toronto. I've got a couple of friends in Toronto. I was born in Hamilton. I bury that fact. I don't want people to know I'm from a mobbed up, dirty city. <laughs> That's good. That's good research. And I, before between that, I did a quick stint in uh, Wyerton, Ontario. You might be familiar with the Groundhog Wyerton Willie, the albino weather predicting groundhog. If you go on YouTube or I'm not sure what streaming services it's available, but if you look up Letterkenny, that's Letterkenny country. A lot of the, the hicks and the jocks say, how are you now, bud? Good and you? So that's uh, that's where I grew up a little since before moving to uh, to the, the big city of Toronto. The one thing I know about Toronto is having FaceTime several friends there is the nightmare of the 401 motorway i don't oh, know if you've if you've been stuck on it too many times tons <laughs> how many days of my life have i been stuck <laughs> in traffic like it's taken like significant time of my life away and just if you added up all the time i've been sitting in traffic in the 401 let's say I, I die on a certain date hopefully many years from now but you could subtract the time i spent on the 401 it would significantly Years. alter the date yeah yeah the 401 equivalent in ireland is called the m50 and i ha- if i'm visiting my girlfriend's parents sometimes we'll go back and see our parents i have to time my exit from work 30 minutes earlier or i'll be stuck for an extra hour and a half so yeah, i understand better. and i'm sure that nobody wants to hear the stuck in traffic report but it's if you're let's say you're wrapping up work at five if you're not on on it by 447 you might as well just wait till 637. You're just yeah. sitting in bumper to bumper traffic. Hopefully listening to listening to one of our podcasts. Shout out to everyone that's stuck in traffic listening <laughs> to this podcast. Turn up the AC. Don't get mad. You're going to get home at the same time. Just chill a little bit. You're going to get home at the same time. You might as well be relaxed. It's all fired up. Exactly. Shout out to those on the M50 and the 401. But 
Toronto. If someone was to visit there for an afternoon or a half a day, what one thing should they see or visit? We have a pretty good amusement park just north of the city. If you want like a good time, you could go there and nobody really talks about it. There's some pretty big roller coasters or a horse racing track if that's what you're into. But the one thing, especially in summer, is there are just so many beaches. I live near a beach here, Marie Curtis Park. You go to the, the beaches or the beach in, in the East End and it's just miles and miles of, of coastline along Lake Ontario and to go full full spectrum like i said to another podcaster joe joe rogan it feels like there's 35 people on the planet is actually a guy in ireland a bus driver who said when he was in toronto he thought it it was on the ocean because the lake is that big like it's not a lake it goes across you can drive along for hours and still be on the coast of the lake so it's just a beautiful beach city that i feel like a lot of people don't know that yet and maybe i should be careful saying that too publicly because it's been discovered and I, i like it that way so the beaches are fine. There's a little, a little bit of litter, lots of algae and stuff. It's actually not that that nice if you're coming to Toronto. Just go to the amusement park. Not. not I think you're safe at least for another year with, with Toronto not letting people in for the current times. So mm-hmm. you'll get a couple of more months out of your well-kept secret. But talk to me, growing up in Toronto, who do you think had the biggest impact on you? It has to be my mom. So I, I lived with my mom, spent summers of my dad's. And just seeing what my mom did as a single mom just getting up every day to a job she hated and was underpaid for i think that had a big impact on my work ethic that's all that i knew you just mm. pack lunch and you go to work i think my dad as well he was a firefighter and then later paramedic nice. so just like you and i think we have a bad day at work because a client's being a little bit bitchy <laughs> just wait until you've gone to your third fire of the day and like you're going on more oxygen tanks than you should and they're out of whatever you need and it's just that's a bad day at work you're getting called in the middle of the night so i think that those two things but then also really in retrospect my my mom was an entrepreneur she started a a little side hustle of a boutique public relations firm for uk based companies that led to her writing a, a series of mystery novels set in north wales and i think that had a big impact of when you start something you don't know where it will take you like you you listen to john's podcast that was the first podcast that I launched and produced. Then I went on and did one at Gorgeous. And then I launched my own podcast network now. So I think that stuff like that, you never know where it will take you. And a couple of my friends, their fathers actually were starting their own businesses and both followed a really interject- interesting trajectory of branching out from, they didn't want to work for their dad. They could have worked, mm. taken over their family business, but they started their own companies. And I just really remember, I must've been five or six years old. And my friend's dad was getting a boom truck. So like a big flatbed uh, tractor trailer or a lorry, you might call it with a a crane on the end. Mm. And I just remember him talking to my parents, like when they're picking up and he just said, it's the longest week of his life. And just looking back at that, I think that feeling of that anticipation and that excitement of knowing that you're finally doing it yourself when I think about sort of stuff from my childhood that really impacted me, I'd say it has to be some medley of those, a casserole of those experiences and those, those people. Yeah, you did give shout out to two friends before. One, parent, friend's parents who opened the stone quarry and another one you just mentioned, trucking. Yep. Interesting that you chose them because most people want to ask. you do your research. Them. You do, you're good. Look <laughs> at my game. Most people when I ask them their early influences typically they're taken off guard and they they usually give shout out to their parents. I've got to ask you, you did give a shout out to your parents, your dad being a firefighter, your mother setting her own store that wrote books. Have you got family that goes all the way back to Europe? 
given the books that you yeah. wrote? Yes, my my grandma and granddad, you can actually see. So that's from his bar in the back of the bell. And that's a patent that he has. Oh. But they actually came over on a boat in the 50s from the UK. But that's my dad's side. On my mom's side, it goes way, way back, pretty stereotypical Canadian. But because she started this PR firm, she lit, my mom lived in the UK in the eighties and that opened, she just always loved it. That's where her heart was. And so she, she started the little boutique um, PR firm. And I look back in hindsight, all the things she did that it's, I see people like us talking about it on LinkedIn saying, Oh, getting on Google and all this stuff, just start a side hustle. And so she did so many things, but then one of her clients was like a Welsh tourist something. And so she was at a dinner and there was a draw to win a, uh, like a trip to to Wales, and it was that trip that started that gave the inspiration for her first book, which ended up winning an award and getting her at St. Martin's Publishers out down in New York, the Flatiron Building that's that's shaped like the triangle. Her mm. her publisher's office offices were there, and I think really in hindsight that like it really opened up my eyes that why not? My mom's writing books about the UK with a New York agent, like like that's dope. Borders are. Or a figment of our imagination. It's nothing stopping you from going as big as you think is possible. You can even go even bigger. You're talking about your mom writing books in Wales or based on Wales, and you're yep. in Canada. Yep. I can see from some of the stuff behind you, that, and I believe, if I'm correct, you've been to Paris to play basketball. I could have completely wrong with that. <laughs> I know. Photograph before. So that was right around maybe like 2011, 2012. And the, the Jay-Z Kanye song Paris was out and they, they had the line ball so hard. And I actually got a free trip to, or not a free trip, but as a social media conference. And I remember it was in Spain and the client, I was working with the client in Spain and they said, Hey, can we like, we'd love for you to fly out and do a presentation. I'm like, cool. Me too, buddy. This is never, I'm not like, I'm, it's not going to happen. Like the company's not going to fly me out. And so they had a conference and they, they flew me out. So I'm like, cool, can I get a return trip through through London? So I went to Spain, like a few days in Paris to the touristy thing. And as I, I was walking back from the Eiffel Tower, I saw this basketball court and I just said to the, the guys playing basketball, and I don't speak any French, by the way. And I just said, hey, can I, can you get a picture of me just like shooting the ball? And they took the picture and that's the shot. And that's where that, that picture came from. Dope. The, the, the question was going to be, what's your favorite country or city that you've ever been to? I mean, city, I love Boston. Boston's uh, okay. got a special mm-hmm. place in my heart. Favorite country, though, if I really, and I'm just trying to think, because before, before the pandemic hit, I was on the, uh, the John Barrows-esque world tour. I think, I wish I got to explore Portugal a little bit more. I only got to go through the airport and just everything just seemed really nice and just beautiful. Ireland, very beautiful as well. There's a... Portuguese island, it's off the coast of Portugal, actually probably closer to Africa, called Madeira. It's where the footballer Cristiano Ronaldo's from. Yep. That is one of the greatest places on planet Earth. Yeah, so I'm going to cheat and say Portugal, even though I didn't really get there. <laughs> when I had that famous Portuguese chicken we all know about, it was a KFC at the airport. So that's one that a little bit of regret. France is always beautiful. Amsterdam is cool. Yeah, I'd say that Amsterdam, just because everyone knows Amsterdam and to go and be able to see and walk around the red light district and all this taboo stuff you've heard. And then you go and you see it and it actually is like that. That's pretty cool too. It is, and then because yeah. I like barbecue, I got a shout out Austin, Texas. Yes. Good shout outs. Some other things I know about you before we move on to business. Patriots fan. 
a dog lover, and I've seen a picture. I don't know if you're a fan of it or in the picture, but a UFC fan? Question mark. No, not really. A big okay. Blue Jays fan. Big Blue Jays fan. Yeah, I've always had uh, had dogs growing up. New England Patriots again. Disliking Boston because I went to, to school or university in Nova Scotia. It was uh, just a local team there with a lot of my friends. So at university, that's what we'd watch on Sundays. Tom Brady was good as I was getting into the sport. Still as good, even though I'm not as huge of a Patriots fan anymore. But uh, but yeah, if I had to pick my one sport, I'd probably say baseball. Like when you've read multiple okay. books on teams that aren't yours, yeah, you get to be like a little bit fanatical, a little bit of, which is probably the, the lamest thing I could ever say about myself, but a little bit of a baseball historian. If you want uh, facts, I could probably fill up about 30 minutes of just useless baseball facts. I've, I've been to one baseball game. Uh, I Whenever I met in America, I'd say 80% of the time I'm in America, it's in Baltimore. So yep. I've been to a game with the Oriole, if I'm yep. correct, or Orioles. Oriole. I think I was probably one of about 10 people in the stadium. So I've never been back to a, to a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore, they play the Jays a lot. And so in the division, you have the Yankees and the Red Sox. Same ownership as, as Liverpool. Always big payrolls, always good. Then you have Tampa Bay, the Jays, and Baltimore. I love my Jays, but we don't have a good record the last 30 years. All three teams mm-hmm. suck. So I imagine you're probably watching my Toronto Blue Jays or the Tampa Bay Rays in Baltimore, if that sounds familiar. Probably. All I know is that I just use it as an excuse to drink alcohol. That's what it is. And, and hang out with friends. If I say, Rain, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Do you want to go eat some pizza, eat a bunch of popcorn, pretzels, drink six beers? You look at me and say, Lucas, I'm a self-respecting human being here. I absolutely will not drink six beers at one in the afternoon with you but if i say hey Rin, you want to go uh, hit a baseball game yeah let's drink six beers eat pretzels and hot dogs all day <laughs> <laughs> for sure what's so from my research those things your baseball patriots fan dog lover what's one thing that you're into or curious about that not a lot of people know about you i'd say i was into it but my pandemic hobby just cooking like i've turned into gordon ramsay for better or for worse over the uh, over the pandemic so just Really, yeah, I don't have my, my books up here, but I, when I, going back to just, what are you reading? I've got a stack of like meat books about this big, if you can oh. see it. So just really meat, barbecue. I've, I've downgraded to only having four barbecues now. But I think that just my, really my love of food is probably one of my biggest passions that I've never really shared too publicly, at least on the other creation side of things. So I'd say that and Oddly enough, to maybe segue into some of the stuff, I think podcasts as well. I could probably, I've probably got seven minutes, seven minutes of material on why I think podcasts are the greatest medium. Tell me, we'll, we'll, we'll skip the other question. Why do you think podcasts are the greatest medium? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked. But they're just, they're portable. So you can really listen to them anywhere. They're easy to get started. And when you remove the the visual element of just a conversation, people tell stories. Like the the time I had the cops looking for me in Dublin. You, your imagination goes wild and yeah. so you have a little bit of that that theater of mind and from a marketing standpoint they just they last they have a good shelf life and so you can create a podcast and it'll last for two years you can turn it into a blog post a video all kinds of social media posts from one hour-long recording you can get a lot of yield out of that so to go back to cooking if you've ever seen gordon ramsay dice and onion there's such little waste and it's such a versatile product. And that's like how podcasts are. You can just get so much out of it. It opens doors to meet. No customer wants to do a case study, but they'll come on your podcast. And if I was yeah. a, a VP of marketing, like it, it boggles my mind 
that they're everyone's saying, oh, what's the ROI on podcast stuff? What's more powerful than a case study? Hearing a customer with their own words talk about why they love you, your solution. Just have a podcast where you talk to customers, get feedback on different things, what they're doing, how they can help other customers, like a customer forum. It fosters that community and just serve it up in the middle in your mid-funnel content. It doesn't need to be a discovery tool. It can be something that you use mid-funnel to unstick deals and just show what I thought. Let's talk about one of, the, one of my sponsors since you, you mentioned Patriots, Tom Brady for TV12, uses ShipBob. People might think, oh, ShipBob, they're, they're too big for me or, oh, they're only in the U.S., and then they hear one of their Australian customers talking about their fulfillment center on their, their podcast and they say, oh, I didn't realize that I could do that. And it opens up the market for U.S. expansion and it just kind of gets that, that mindset going. Now, do you want to really start playing a little 3D chess here? Go for it. And this is, I've only ever really chatted about this with John and my magician friends. Are you familiar wow. with NLP? Yes, I am. But nobody ever really talks about it. No. And if you think uh, a third of the population is visual, they like to see things in charts. A third of the population is kinesthetic and likes to, to touch and feel things. But a third, when it, they hear it, it really resonates well. So if you have an audio companion to a long, boring diagram, think about all your help documentation. Rather than have to go through and search for it as I need it, I just put on the help documentation. I, I've got a pretty good voice. And so just imagine if yeah. you said had a customer talking about how they did something with the help documentation. That's going to really resonate with a third of your buyers. And when there's infinite supply and it's not a, an awareness problem for a lot of companies, it's a frequency problem or it's something stuck and the customers are just stuck of the, why they're not progressing forward in that deal. Maybe if you just give them the same information in a way that they're more receptive to, it converts. Yeah. You, at the very top of when you started talking, you talked about companies measuring the wrong, or I think it was that they didn't see the ROI. Do you think that they're focused on downloads? And what I got from you was they're focusing on downloads rather than relationships in the initial stage. So I think that there are two things that companies get wrong is one is the, just like say UTM tracking. People don't really click podcast links, but they hear it and they search it. So it will have an impact on branded search, but you don't, it's too, it's so hard to measure that if what's net positive, don't waste your time trying to measure it. Just do more of it. And that's backed by my, I sound so pretentious saying this, my mathematician friends who like they set promos for Cliff Bar. If promos work, don't worry if it should be a six cent discount or a nine cent discount. As long as you're net positive on it, just crank it up and do what, do what works best. But also downloads, podcasts are just hard to measure. I'm working on a few things with rolled up to do a say completion, you can have a ton of, of downloads, but that doesn't mean people listen to it. So just by getting creative with some of the ad roll markers to see a, what ads are being people listening to, but also are people making it through the whole podcast? If it's only a post roll promotion that fires at the end of each episode, you can see, well, how many times did this fire versus how many downloads do I have? And you can see your completion rate. So you can start to get creative with a few of the different solutions there to have much higher advanced analytics. And if you have a podcast that's 40 minutes of one of your customers just gloating about your software, like what else do you need to measure here? It, if that's not converting, it's not the podcast. It's something else that's, that's on your end here. Yeah, for sure. You touched on, I had a brain fart there. What was it? 
Oh yeah, you touched on how you could take podcasts and turn them into different formats of content because there's different ways people consume written audio. One thing I've noticed from you is, and I want to get into this, is that you don't you're not the host of just one podcast. You're the host of more than one podcast, and you're not the only one out there who I've seen do it. There's a guy called uh, Doug Sandler, Turnkey Podcast Productions. He does multiple podcasts. Are you not afraid that you are uh, potentially doing? I don't know the right word, so I'm going to say damage, but that's not the right word. Cannibalization. What I I mean by that is if you're known for a podcast like John Barrows, the sales podcast, and then John brings out a podcast on, let's say, smoking weed, is he not diluting the audience because he's trying to build two separate audiences? No, and it's there will be overlap. It's interest-based. So my Pit Stop podcast, it's short, it's tactical. It's I can do solo talk to someone and just share a lot of like really tactical e-commerce advice rolled up is a little bit more interesting in the sense of just very interesting conversations where more inspirational. And so like they could go on the same schedule and on the same podcast, but rather than try to, to just use the John example to have my sales podcast as one item and then my smoke and weed podcast as another thing. Or I could have my e-commerce podcast and my cooking podcast. The audience might overlap, but it's just, it's different things. And you don't want to intertwine e-commerce and marketing and then cooking and smoking weed. Because people yeah. like, then you're just going to alienate them. So it's, it's really just better segmentation. Okay. Okay. No, a fair point. Talk to me about the two podcasts that, that you run. Brief yeah. overview exactly what they are. Yeah. So Rolled Up is my, my flagship uh, show I kind of guinea pig on myself so going back to Gordon Ramsay I just and I know it's sound based, but I love what he said about someone who they cooked a meal and he said you've never made this before and basically the thing was so you come here you meet someone who clearly you know and applied to be on the show and you use them as a guinea pig to see if something will come out I just don't like being a using other people as as a guinea pig so I, yeah. I like to see where I can push the production limits go, go up a few shelves there really a lot of overkill that's not needed and then season two is going to be all about industries of impacted by the pandemic. So I'm doing an episode on bananas and fair trade. It was like really cool, interesting stuff mm. like that. And then pit stop it's daily. It's tactical. It's meant to be almost searchable, like a, an index or a library where if you want some more SEO for your store, you can go and say, you know what? I'm just going to search for episodes with SEO in the title or in the thumbnail to just make it really easy to, to search. And then it's, eight minutes and hopefully get one or two tactics that you can use in your store to generate more revenue and profits. How do you come up with the topic? You've mentioned bananas. You spoke to me about another podcast that's in the works at the moment. Where do you get the idea for these topics? So my favorite way to do it, and this is actually what I did with John was to take something that's existing, but maybe not performing as well and say, would this be a better medium in, in audio? Do we really need video for this? Like a conversation. Mm. And that's what I did with John with make it happen Mondays rolled up is just, I wanted something where I talked to interesting people. I've met a lot of cool people in my time. So that's what I, I, where I use rolled up and, and then pit stop This is what people are asking. It's if somebody's asking a question, there are probably other people who, who could use that as well. And then once you get that flywheel going, people will start to approach you, which is nice. I get, you got to be careful what you wish for, but that's really how I do it. And then, I just keep it on my sonar and say, could this be be a cool podcast? So the the next one that I'm I'm launching under the rolled up network is very e-commerce focused. It's called Bricks and Clicks with a bunch of mathematicians who really talk about almost traditional marketing or trade marketing. 
And then I've got one, I'm going to, we're going to do a test, a, a fashion podcast. So I'm just curious to see if wow. that will, will translate. And then the, the one with Wes Barker. So going fast. You're doing a lot. What continues to drive you? Oh man, I wish I knew. So a lot of people have asked that. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, it's just my speed. Let me rephrase it in a different way. What's your favorite aspect of being a business owner slash entrepreneur? Oh, you get to do things your way. Yeah. It's just, if you want to do a podcast and you want to overproduce it, you do it. If you know that podcast will perform better as a daily, you can say, you know what, let's cut it up into three episodes uh, and do three a week versus just mapping it out and then having to really stick to a rigid plan and that flexibility to to take control and, and change things as, as need be. So I think that's probably what I like and just even working with others and this is, might be a follow-up question but one of the the challenges is keeping the, those standards especially if it's your name and your face that's going on one of the challenges of, of growth is as i grow rolled up as a podcast production and distribution company what happens if i've got 30 podcasts and i, I can't list them all for quality i don't know the the guests or what's being said if it aligns with everything else so i think that's one of the challenges i'm looking forward to if you have any advice on that or any listeners have any advice on that and i'm definitely open to it but that's certainly a challenge that i've come across me myself as well and it's only early days but it's i'm a firm believer that you are recognized for who you're associated with so if you're walking down the street and you're seen with a, a group of people who cause a lot of violence you'll be put in that bucket as well you yeah. may not cause the violence and I'm also a believer that if you invite guests on and you don't necessarily align yourself with them, it can do more damage than good. Yeah. But when you put a request out to the network to look for guests or you cannot put requests out and avoid that completely, but what you can potentially not avoid is referrals. So you've got a, yep. a, a friend or a colleague who refers you and introduce you to someone. And when you look at them, you say, this person does not make a good guest for my podcast is... Is that something you face? And if so, how do you overcome that? Do you say, hey, look, you are not suited to my podcast, but I know someone who I can introduce you to. Um, I usually just say no. I I go full Larry David. Uh, I got a really bad pitch yesterday. And like, it had nothing really to do with it. It was just so vaguely connected. And then I just, it was just weird and almost disrespectful. If you're asking to come on the show, at least listen to a couple of episodes. Really butter me up and say, hey, loved it, left a review. Hey, this person might be a good guest or Hey, I'd love to come on. I think just listening to other shows and other podcasts, I was listening to, to your show earlier and I just, I like the episode about CJ Walker and I like those little short, but again, it goes back to, so that's essentially to your question of not over diluting. It's, it just took, it's like I took the shorts and just created a separate podcast with that as to not have all the same, but, and then I think just listening to podcasts as well and being proactive of saying, Hey, you know what? This could be a good guest. I like how that sounds. I'm doing a screener call, especially for rolled up or anything that's higher. Just get to know, is it good? or the conversations good? You might have someone who has a lot of charisma and charm, but you ask them a question and they just, they answer very yes or no. They don't embellish it. And that's annoying. Get and run with it. This podcast itself, I feel like has gone in so many different directions. It's hard to maintain like a straight sequence to it, but I guess that's the beauty of podcasts. You can go in several different directions. You've said one of the things you'll say is if they're not a fit is a straight no. We know that in sales knows the second best answer you can get from someone. 
being ignored or, or ghosted is what you don't want to get. Yeah. You've worked with John for, for a bit in your past. Is yeah. sales something that you think everyone should, let's say, serve time working in? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I say sales and customer service. Just anything that, like talking to customers before and after they buy, it'll help you if you build products. It helps you understand what they're actually doing, why they're buying, and why they're leaving or why they didn't buy if you're in marketing it's the the same thing what are they actually talking about what do they they really care about but also just learning how to there's so much psychology of it in managing sort of delicate situations with different relationships it's not just numbers in your crm ultimately the you're selling in b2b to people whose careers can depend on if you you buy something they buy something or not and just really learning how they're also I'm selling some stuff on, on Kijiji, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. It's nice to just be able to negotiate that a little bit more. If you're buying something and being on the other side of things, we all buy stuff. If you're haggling at the, the car dealership, it's nice to know how they operate and what their levers are so you can go on the other side as well. You know how sometimes you say something and you're like, oh God, am I really that awful? Am I being a Karen? But I never buy software without at least asking for a discount. But and it was funny, someone was saying no and I was pushing back a little bit. And I said, so rather than give me 10% off to make me feel good. You want to have your customer support team have to deal with more annoying customers and tickets and like you lose more in labor costs than to just give a 10% discount, make somebody feel good, have that dopamine hit. And it's, and this is another John thing about not discounting. He never, he doesn't mean no zero discounts. We never discount. It's don't haggle them back and forth on prices. Somebody asks for a discount say, you know what? Here's 10% off if you sign up for today. Like use it to push that along. Yeah. And so people feel good. Nobody wants to hear no. And buyers aren't idiots. They know the margins of software costs. If you can't save $2 a month on your infinite margins, like why are you being so cheap? When I need to talk to support, am I going to have to wait 72 hours for an email? Like it's just, come on. One of the ways people talk about getting outside of the comfort zone is to do something that you're not comfortable about. And I certainly think that's a great example of asking for a discount if you're not comfortable to build character, to get outside your comfort zone, to continue to push you forward. Well, I do it all the time. I'll go to McDonald's and I'll, I ask her if it's two for one hash brown day. And sometimes I get an extra hash brown. <laughs> well, like, you can always negotiate. Everything's negotiable. The one I love to do, and I'll do it when my girlfriend's not traveling with me because she hates when I do it, is <laughs> when you're going through the airport and you just go through fast check. Yeah. If you act like normal enough, I'd say 75 to 80% of the time, you'll be let through fast check. Which, oh, I do yeah. all the time too. Like you just sneak, I just, I, I shouldn't say too, too much, but like you just walk in and just, hopefully there's not as much screening for VIP section. But by the time you get there and you're just like, like worst case you say, oh, the, I did, I could tell it was a family who doesn't travel. I just wanted to get through. Most people are understanding, but it goes back to uh, a great book that John recommended, Influence. If you give a reason for something like the photocopier thing, oh, hey, do you mind if I cut in line? I got to make some copies. Yeah. Oh no, go at that. Well, get you a more positive reaction than just cutting in line or hey do you mind if i cut in line i only need to make a, a handful of copies and i've got a meeting in 10 minutes people are if they know the reason so it's like i would do that all the time why does it why does your girlfriend like waiting in line so much she gets embarrassed and she likes to conform with uh, what you're supposed to do i guess she just wants to stand in line and do what she told to do whereas worst case scenario back in the same position that we were standing in best case scenario i'm through and save myself 20 minutes to standing in the yeah. queue and just, and it's like people in the fast, they know what they're doing. The other travelers, it's this and that. It's uh, big, giant shampoo bottles. Let's, 
have you not been on a flight in the last 20 years? Like, you can't do this. There are a million signs, dude. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely annoying. Uh, the book, Influence, is that by Robert Cialdini? It is. Yeah, great book. I actually think he came out with a new version of that or like rehashed it or something because I was, saw his page the other day. I will, I will move on, we'll move on in a second, but a cool story to tell you is what's the tournament, the final of the NFL called? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, if, you th- if you think of Super Bowl in Ireland, the popular sport in Ireland is hurling. Yep. I think hockey mixture with... Uh, That's field hockey for any other Canadians listening. Yes, that basically where men just beat the shit out of each other. Very different from field hockey here. Very different. <laughs> for There's sure. been multiple sketches of an Irish guy coming to North America to play field hockey and it's like a high school girls sport. So completely different. <laughs> we'll put up an image or a link down below if anybody wants to check out. It's the fastest field sport in the world. Fun fact. However, uh, the fi- if you don't have a joke, at least have a fact. <laughs> exactly. The final of that is in a stadium that holds 85,000 people. My father is a keen photographer outside of work and he wanted to see was it possible to for an old person to get in on final day and take photographs on the pitch as a press photographer. So he printed off, he took went to a couple of matches, took pictures of the photographers, printed off jackets, walked in, got, got a wristband, knew the elevator, had sussed the whole thing out. I was sitting at home, I didn't get a ticket to the final and I could see my father at the very end, standing next to the trophy, taking photographs of the players. And he, he wore a GoPro and a couple of other cameras and documented the entire thing. He has the video on private because he showed it at a couple yeah, of we, we, sessions we, before. We might need you to like, if anyone's listening and you just heard a giant bleep, you didn't miss much. There were no secrets given away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Something you've said before is that you don't work weekends. I yep. don't hustle to get ahead on Monday. I plan my weeks out on Monday morning. I love this. Can you tell me why weekends are important? One, you need time to do stuff. What's the point of hustling if you don't have a weekend? Like, we're not working and making money to just keep working on weekends. I say it a little bit in jest as, as well, but just for the pandemic, it just, like, and I'm a chronic workaholic. You don't, be a serial entrepreneur with without that and it's almost that discipline to, to say no so one is you just need time to do other stuff two is you your ideas and everything becomes better when you recharge and incubate nobody re, it, people have my cell phone number if it's that much of an emergency that they're missing me they can call me i'm pretty liberal about it and then finally it's just you need time for shit hit, to hit the fan if you're constantly going at a hundred percent and you need to put out fires. Now you're just creating more fires because you don't have that, that room to go. So it's not that I'm an anti-working weekend. I just, I've worked a ton of weekends. thought I would try not working weekends. I'm getting just as much done and I have more time yeah. to do stuff. Yeah, I like that. And I'm, I'm of the same belief as well. I, I, I work endless hours, but I do always try to switch off of the weekend because you need that time. And I, I feel that the time when you recharge, you actually get better ideas because your brain's almost relaxing they almost like it it sands it down a little bit just smooths out the the rough edges and and so just how i've been trying to stack my weeks is monday is all my admin stuff just ease back into the week friday is just casual fun catch-up meetings and just over overflow time and then tuesday wednesday thursday i'm in the booth i'm recording like five podcasts today i'm just so tuesday wednesday and thursday that's the time to really do stuff and just almost like a water tower stack your week really heavy tuesday wednesday morning and then just let it trickle downhill the rest of the week and if you do that you let gravity take to the work and you're good to go 
I'd consider myself somewhat of an extrovert, but you mentioned you're recording five podcasts today. Have you found your ceiling of the max number you can record a day? It depends on how much work is done, how repetitive they are. I love this conversation. One is, one, I'm just producing, so I don't have to do too much at the end of the day. And then others are are quick hitting, and I know the content well enough that I can go on autopilot. I don't like doing more than about three. So Mm -hmm. that's the limit to just recharge. You can do more, but otherwise, it just they blur together, and it's... Uh, a little bit of burnout. It's almost the little stick blenders that you can put into a cup blend a smoothie or something. It almost feels like somebody just puts one of those in your ear, just a little bit, not total brain fry, but you just, you really got to think about stuff if it's not laid out in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. I did six and then at the, I did six in one day and at the end of it, I hosted a session for an hour and a half and I was blessed that I had done my prep for the session and had the questions and it was more so just an MC, but you could count to 90 seconds after that last one. And I was asleep on the couch. I didn't even make it to my bed. But I think that goes back to the the sales days. Like you just, you make for 40, 50 cold calls and then have a few meetings in the day. You're just, you're used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You've spoken about how you're a serial entrepreneur. That's that that's a true fact, having looked you up. You've got an e-commerce business or a, a certainly a YouTube channel that gives people advice or mm-hmm. what not to do and what you should do. You've also got a the dog treat business, you've got your podcast. Where do you get the inspiration or the ideas for these businesses? I think it's always I see something and I just think I can do it better. Like why is anyone <laughs> else doing like your like, why isn't anyone else doing it? That was with when they co-founded Vengage in 2012, one of the top 25 LinkedIn startups in, in Canada. It just, this is a no-brainer. Why is nobody else doing this? Let's get this in more people's hands. With When I started Treats Happen, I just, it was just hard to buy quality pet products. Everything in store in retail stores were, was a pain. And then for with Rolled Up, nobody's really, there's no B2B podcast networks out there. So there's just, like, yeah, it's, yeah, the the closest thing that I can think of is some companies like Drift that has multiple podcasts or like John where the different trainers have podcasts it's that little network but there's no sort of one true B2B podcast network so I figured why not why not start that you're right there isn't because I have looked it up because I've gone all in on podcasting I'm doing a podcast every single day as in a new one comes out live every day I record probably two or three a day and I can see the growth in it and I can see the opportunity in it, but you're right. There is no network and I haven't, I've come across guys like Pat Flynn and a couple of others, but there's not a, a one network as you say. Yeah. And if you want a good hack for, if you're maybe backlog on recordings or you want mm-hmm. to do take a vacation, any podcast that you're a guest on, get some episodes for your, your bank and do some bank shows and split it into a part one, part two. That's not bad. I like that idea. Like pit so, stop. It, it comes out four times a week. But each guest normally has three episodes. That could be one long 45-minute dry podcast. So they split it up into 10, 15-minute uh, chunks. Yeah. That's a solid idea because you could certainly do one two-hour episode and split it into four 30-minute chunks or whatever. Do the maths on it. I'm sure you've come up against challenges with the several different ventures that you've done over the years and are currently doing. But focusing specifically on the last, let's say, 18 to 24 months with everything, What's one challenge objection that you've come up against that you didn't expect or account for? And how did you tackle it? I want to say limited supply of hardware, like microphones and a recording equipment. I think that's not something I was expecting to see and just being patient, waiting for more supply. I think that that's like, I've never gone to a grocery store and seen zero meat. So I think that just waiting for supply as consumer trends shift so much. I think that that's 
That's a big one. But also just having to be able to work remotely. Clear communication is more important than ever going back to some of the, the psychology of it. So much of what we say is, is nonverbal, where if you're constantly on Slack or even video, it's not as good. Like I see your face, but I'm looking at the camera because I'm recording. So I'm, we're not really having that dialogue. I can't see, I can't see if you're smiling and you want me to keep talking a little bit more. I can't see if you're looking tired and you want me to just shut the hell up. So I think that real time communication is different and just really using your words wisely, I think is probably a, a big challenge for a lot of people. You're the first guest to say that you're looking directly at me. Most Every now and again, I'll take a look to see what the guest is looking at. Yeah. And they're usually looking at their computer in the distance out to the side. And I'll always try to look directly at the camera lens. Now, upstairs, yeah. we've got a studio with a teleprompter in it. And one thing we've done is we've put a the video behind the teleprompter. So you can actually see somewhat of the person. So you're looking at the person, but also looking at the camera, which I think is a genius hack. But unfortunately, I'm downstairs at the moment. And yeah. I have to look at the, the camera. Do, I've just got two final quick questions for you. Your house apartment is burning down. All your loved ones are safe. Yep. What one item would you take with you? I have a few very sentimental things from my childhood, probably something like that. Yeah. It's pretty just personal, but just stuff for my family. It's nothing crazy or expensive that can't be replaced, but just something ir- irreplaceable like that, I think I would say. I'd like you to imagine it's the end of the decade. So it's yep. 2030. What would you like to be looking back on? You can answer this personally or professionally over the, what you've achieved over the last 10 years. Ooh, well, first of all, I hope I'm happy. I hope I haven't worked too much. I think just a lot of travel. If I could do a lot of travel, that means a lot of things went. So I think that hopefully I've been to the the island in Portugal, close to Africa, where Cristiano Ronaldo's from and been able to spend some, some quality time there. So hopefully that. And just, I think, seeing everyone in person that, that I knew pre-pandemic and I've met during the pandemic, it'd be cool if I got to just see everyone again. Mm, yeah, I agree. Lucas, this has been a, a great 45, 50 minute chat. Thank you for your time today. And uh, hopefully you do make it to explore many more countries and, and have many so. more good memories of friends. And can I ask a, a big favor of your audience? Sure. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple and you have iCloud backup already, go to your podcast, leave a five star review. It helps bring get more downloads more subscribers, more listeners. I'm sure on a sad day, sad rainy day, you like to go through and to see all the nice things people have been saying about your podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you smash that like button, smash that subscribe button and share this video with your mother-in-law. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to end it like that. Legend. <laughs> and likewise, I'll leave the link to your podcasts below and your LinkedIn page and your YouTube as well, where you talk about e-commerce advice. But for now, thank you for being my guest. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Cheers. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna shoot you. Beautiful morning, get the sun in my morning, babe. Nothing in the water.